On this episode of The Sam's Report, we talk about a new build of Windows 10, Windows on ARM is still alive, and if you're going to build, you better be paying attention. So today is January 15th. The month of January is now half over. This is fantastic because I am very much in favor of daylight savings time. Um, <laughs> I look at the clock every day and the little widget that tells me how much time is left in the day before the sun sets and we're slowly gaining time. And since we've changed the clocks, um, or I should say since we've hit winter solstice, solstice we've gained about 10 minutes uh, from sundown. So extra 10 minutes, we're getting there, getting out of the winter blues. But let's get started with the world of Microsoft because it has been another great week as always. Um, yeah. So kicking off the week, actually, Microsoft announced something kind of interesting. They announced that uh, Skype preview for Slack is now available. Now Slack, if you're not familiar with it, is a massively popular chat tool. Um, I would say that it kind of competes with Skype to some degree. It's kind of like an IRC on steroids slash 21st century product that actually, uh, especially startups and young companies love. And it's a very easy way to stay organized. It's a great way to communicate with coworkers and everything else that you would ever imagine or want Skype to do. It does those sorts of things, except video calls it's not so great at. Uh, we gotta use, it has extensive third-party support. And so Microsoft is now tying Skype into the service. Now what's funny about this, and the reason why I kind of just joke, is so a couple years prior to Slack's launch, or might have been around the same time, Microsoft bought a company called Yammer. And they like to use what the term Yam Jam, which is a terrible name. But it's Mike's, Microsoft's kind of version of Slack. Um, but Slack has been the product that has really taken the market by storm. And so seeing them just integrate into Skype is just kind of funny. I shouldn't really be too surprised Microsoft integrates into everything these days. So knowing that they're building Skype to work with Slack uh, is just really just another piece of the puzzle for them and trying to get more people to use Skype and use it more regularly. I use Skype quite a bit and I, I don't foresee myself fully going over to Slack anytime soon, but I can certainly see how large organizations or, or any organization really can use Slack because it is a very convenient tool with lots of plugins and all sorts of good stuff. So they announced Skype preview, which allows you to make it easier to make calls and whatnot. But it still begs the question, and I'm sure that Microsoft has had this conversation. If they haven't, I'd be very concerned. I'm sure that they have said, why don't we just buy Slack? And I'd actually be willing to bet that Google has probably said, why don't we buy Slack? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Facebook has potentially said, why don't we buy Slack? And I don't know why nobody has picked them up yet because it's a hot enterprise app, which are generally snatched up very quickly. Enterprise apps do not stay in the market very long unless they are doing really well and they don't want the money or they can't get the price they think that they are worth. So that is my guess is that Slack has been approached several times by now to be acquired and they've just turned it all down. That's the only reason I can really think of because I, I don't know what my Microsoft would not be aggressively pursuing this acquisition. But anyways, so Slack is out there. Slack is running. Slack is doing quite well. Uh, people who use it absolutely love it and I don't foresee many people just dropping it. Um, very quickly. So anyways, if you use Slack, Skype is out there, Microsoft supporting it, and it's in Skype preview. Interestingly enough <laughs> about this is so Skype is supported, I believe, but Skype for business is not supported through Slack, this new preview. 
I don't know if that will be coming. It would seem to make more sense that Slack for or Slack for business, Skype for business would be supported. But here we go, the world of Microsoft, the consumer version supported first. And speaking of support, so Windows 8 is no longer supported by Microsoft. Windows 8, probably their worst OS for many people in a very long time, uh, completely surpassing Vista, I would imagine, for most, even though Vista was bad for different reasons. Windows 8 was bad because of what it tried to accomplish and failed. Windows Vista was bad because it just really didn't work. Um, I don't know, two different things, but I think Windows 8 probably impacted more people potentially just from avoiding it. But um, anyways, Windows 8 now support is dead. Now don't confuse that for Windows 8.1 support, which is a free upgrade from Windows 8. So I can't imagine that there's very many people actually running vanilla Windows 8.0 right now. Uh, for reference sake, Windows 8.1 mainstream support is running until January 9th, 2018, and extended support until January 10, uh, 2023. Microsoft is a very good track record of long tail support for its products. Windows 8, despite the fact that it was not widely adopted like the company had hoped, uh, will receive that same type of treatment. So if you're running Windows 8 and you have not upgraded to 8.1, and the easiest way to tell is just look in the bottom left corner. If you do not have a little start orb, then you are running vanilla 8.0 and you need to update. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you're probably highly educated, at least in the Microsoft sector, and you are not running 8.0. You're more than likely running Windows 10, most likely build 11099 of Windows 10 because you're running on the bleeding edge. But anyways, Windows 8 done. Uh, also, with along with Windows 8 support being nixed, there is some other software that has been killed too that is gonna make a lot of web devs happy. Versions of Internet Explorer, I believe it's uh, 8, 9, and 10, are now no longer supported. So if you're running anything other than Internet Explorer 11, you need to upgrade upgrade yes you do now quickly because using net applications market statistics um, I, i'm able to conjure up that about 20 percent of internet explorers are using unsupported software and friends don't let friends use unsupported software so if you see people using internet explorer make sure they are updated because after today if an exploit is discovered it will not be patched so keep that in mind it will not be patched if you are sticking it out with an older version of internet explorer be running IE 11, use Edge. Um, I, edge is still an Edge case, it still crashes for me frequently, but at least use IE 11 or Edge or any other browser of your choosing because Microsoft is no longer supporting those older browsers. And I'll be curious to see if any exploits come out. Um, one of my good friends, Tim, who's a web dev, was celebrating this day because that means he no longer has to code web pages for these outdated applications. Software sunsetting is always fun. It's fun to see what actually happens. Windows XP set off into the sunset uh, a couple years ago. Now we've got older versions of IE that are making many people happy are sunsetting. Windows 8.0 is sunsetting. A lot of, a lot of good stuff kind of clearing the table for Microsoft recently. Let's talk about the new stuff that's coming out because old stuff is never fun. Windows 10 build 11099 was released today by Mr. Gabe. Uh, Real no, no big updates from the consumer side of what you're looking for. Basically, the updates are all under the hood. And I actually have some information. I'm not ready to talk about all of it. I should probably do this next week. 
But so one of the big initiatives for this is some under the hood changes, one core updates and all that stuff. And Redstone is actually shaping up to be a pretty large update for the company. And these from a reporting and internal perspective and system change perspective, not quite sure how much we're going to see on the outside. I mean, I have some good ideas, extensions, and obviously all that good stuff that we've talked about previously, but under the hood, there's going to be quite a few changes. Now, I've been harking a June launch. Um, Mary Jo Foley has always said late spring. And so I was talking to an engineer recently and I want to bring up a point, at least a point that they brought up. They said that Windows 10 was initially slated to launch in June of last year, not July, but the end of June. And it didn't, right? It launched at the end of July. They were a month late. They had at least a year head start to build out Windows 10 and everything that they did. And some of the underlying structural changes that they're making with Redstone are quite large, but they didn't have that year head start. So this particular individual is actually cautioning me and saying, I don't know if we're going to make a spring launch uh, based on the progress, because as of right now, uh, January 15th, I don't know why I can never remember the date on the show. January 15th, they have not started checking in new features. They've been waiting for this one core uh, update that Gabe alluded to. He even in it said in the post, he said, hey, we're almost done with this stuff. So that means we can start checking in features and all that good stuff here very soon. Has not started yet, which means we haven't done the beta testing yet, which or alpha testing yet. So just be aware of that. And I could be completely off base, but this person generally has a pretty good insight into the Microsoft development process. And I'll just leave it at that, that um, they might already be starting to feel the pressure of time, even though they're looking at a June-ish release. There's a lot of things that have to happen. Obviously, the next big thing that's going to come down the pipe are new releases, but we also have Build coming up um, in a few weeks, which we'll talk about more here. And yeah, so just keep that in mind that Microsoft, but this is just how software development works. If you've ever worked on an IT project, you set a deadline, it's always ambitious no matter what you do. The joke in business school is that when you set an IT project deadline, you take the date and then you add twice the length. So if it's gonna take a 30 day project, you make it 60 days to be realistic. So we shall see how Microsoft does with this stuff. But um, Redstone's moving along. And speaking of Redstone, some infra interesting information came out the past two days. One relates to a job description and the other relates to what is a support page. So. Early this morning, I wrote a post on Petri that said, and this is directly words from Microsoft. This is not interpretation. This is nothing else. It's There is a job description that lists Microsoft is building out ARM64 support. So that's ARM processors, the same type that was running RT for all of their products, all of their devices. And so you can go read the post on Petri and you can actually read the verbatim stuff. And it actually lists Redstone in the job description. And they're preparing this for the Redstone wave. Now it doesn't say wave one or wave two. I would, it seems like it's wave one. Um, if that is true, there's probably already a lot of work happening on this stuff. But in conjunction to this post, this job description, there was also a post that I wrote the day before that Microsoft listed a support page for an audio process that said Windows 10 desktop comma ARM. And it also listed all the other iterations. To me, this sounds like Microsoft, when they you know, quote unquote killed Windows RT, they didn't really kill it. They just kept developing, which I think is a smart move. And I think we're starting to see that the company actually has Windows 10 on ARM running uh, the desktop like we would expect. And more interestingly, there was an individual who no longer works at Microsoft, but on his LinkedIn page, where one of the last things he was working on was a just-in-time compiler 
to bring Win32 apps to the ARM architecture. So if you put the picture together, you have Windows 10, ARM, and a compiler. That's all you need to make Windows on ARM, or what Microsoft always writes as WOA, to run just like your traditional desktop that you think. Because if you remember, one of the biggest issues that Microsoft had, and it was a communication problem and a branding issue with Windows RT, is that it did not run traditional apps. It only ran through the store. Ignore the fact that the store was a complete dumpster fire at the time, and there were no quality applications when it was out, and it was doomed from the beginning. But that was a big problem, and they had to try to separate this differentiation of the two platforms. But if they can get this compiler to work, and they can get it to run well, there's no difference to the end consumer. Now, performance is always going to be an issue. Anytime you inject emulation into anything, uh, there's going to be a performance buff or nerf to the application. But ARM is quickly ramping up its processing powers, as we've seen in phones. Um, so there's a lot that's going on with ARM and all that. So I'll be curious to see if Microsoft talks about any of this stuff at build. Because if the the job description clearly says Redstone. Redstone should be this year. If they're going to talk about it at Build, Build is their development conference. This is the, the proper forum where they might start to say, hey, look, you know, remember that ARM stuff we were doing? Well, we're not quite giving up on it. Now, the real question is, what would they use it for? Now, this is where it kind of gets interesting. I have long believed, and I have a lot of evidence to, to support this, that Microsoft has been toying with the idea of running Windows Server on ARM chips. So you could build out a data center not using ARM chip or Intel chips, but using ARM. There's a lot of benefits to this, but at the same time, there are performance concerns, but you can't ignore ARM. ARM is, if you have a smartphone, it's running an ARM chip. I'd almost guarantee it. So you cannot ignore ARM. And it looks like Microsoft on the backside is just saying, hey, you know what? We need to make sure that we are always ready for ARM in case that magic moment comes through where one day their chips are suddenly as equal to or if not more powerful than an intel chip of the same price that way they can say hey look we're ready here's our software just go and run it and that way they're not behind the curve on this stuff so realistically i could see this happening on the server and i believe that microsoft will do something to this effect on the server side but where it's also interesting when you think about the compiler is their phones so these, the Lumia's where, I don't know where to put my 950, it was on the charger. Uh, here it is. So the 950's, right, they have this thing called Continuum that you can connect to a monitor. And imagine if your Continuum phone has that just-in-time compiler running a proper Windows application. That's just about the holy grail. Now the performance, again, is going to be a problem, or a potential problem, a choke point for the applications. But think about that. That could be their killer feature is running Windows classic applications on a phone in Continuum with ARM. That sounds pretty badass to me. I don't know. I, I think that would be crazy if they announced that with the Surface phone, but I think that could be where their mind is headed. And the nice thing about ARM is tons of companies make ARM. You have Qualcomm, you have NVIDIA. And so the potential behind ARM is massive right now. And I really like this ballsy, we're going to keep doing this behind the scenes. This is almost, somebody brought up an inter interesting point. It reminded them, and I hate to draw comparisons to Apple, but how Apple switched from the PowerPC to Intel. If you remember this, there was for a while, Apple was running PowerPC chips because they kept saying, ah, Intel chips just aren't right for us, they aren't right for us. And then Intel chips started ramping up and PowerPC chips just weren't doing that. All of a sudden, here's Intel saying, hey, look, we got Intel operating system. They were just building it quietly behind the scenes, just waiting for the day that the Intel chips made sense. 
And this is exactly what Microsoft is doing with ARM. They're just sitting, they're building this awesome stuff behind the scenes until the time is right to say, hey, look, hey world, you got an ARM chip? We got Win32 apps, we've got a server running it, we've got the whole ecosystem ready to roll and you can continue to use the Microsoft stack. So I'm pretty pumped about this. This really, really, as you can probably tell by my enthusiasm or whatever you want to call it, uh, I'm really intrigued by this potential here. And Windows RT, I still, I still say it was not a bad idea. It was just a bad implementation. And as we know from Microsoft, typically they get it right on the third try. So here we are, this could be attempt number two, but it seems to be a much more solid attempt and they're gonna have much more resources involved with this process. So I'm really, really pumped to see, and I, I hope Terry or somebody at Build begins to talk about this process. And realistically, I think the first thing we would see is the server side uh, experimentation. So speaking of Build, if you are gonna attend Build, I, by all accounts, will likely be there. I would imagine Paul will be there and I imagine all your other Microsoft writers will be there too. Uh, Build 2016 kicks off on January 19th for the low, low price of $2,195. Um, yes, that's not cheap, but again, it's a development conference. Microsoft always gives away pretty sweet prize last year. I mean, in prize in quotations, you're essentially paying for it in the in the fee. Um, actually, from an accounting and financial perspective, they are allotting a certain dollar amount exactly to that cost. Uh, last year, it was the HP, which I have right over there, which is why I pointed that way. I have the HP Spectre X360, fantastic laptop. I still use it frequently. Um, actually, just started using it again frequently. It was sitting on the shelf for a few months, and I decided to fire that bad boy back up. Forgot how actually good it is, so I've been using it more frequently. But that was the giveaway last year. What they will give away this year, I would love to see a HoloLens. Not thinking so. I don't know if it would be a Surface phone. I mean, Lumia 950 seems like a pretty logical giveaway, but that doesn't really rack up to be, usually they give away some like laptop or something. Um, they give away, the prior year, they gave away an Xbox and a $500 store gift card. So it was like, choose your own adventure from that giveaway. Um, but that is coming January 19th. And if you're going to attend, make, Sure, make, 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 make sure you are ready on January 19th. It sold out within minutes last year, and I expect that this year will be no different. So if you were gonna go to build, get on the website early, and hopefully, uh, I remember last year, Microsoft's site just crippled under the weight of the registrations. So hopefully Microsoft is allocating a few more resources, maybe some of those ARM servers, to uh, the application process for Windows signing up. Speaking of servers, so here's, this is a, a fun thing. So Microsoft cut their Azure prices 17% for their DV2, which I believe they said is one of their most popular virtual machines, by up to 17%. The 17% is on their Linux variation and it kind of stair steps down a little bit. Um, and so I wrote this up on Petri. Microsoft is chasing Azure down the hole for the lowest price of cloud services. And so really it's just a race to the bottom of the cloud. And this is interesting because primarily in the cloud space, and I'm talking hyperscale cloud that has servers around the world that has scalability to your eyes can dream. Um, like Netflix runs on Amazon and all sorts of good stuff runs on Microsoft. So, they cut the price again. And here's kind of the logic behind this stuff. When you're choosing a cloud application platform like Azure or Elasticity of um, Amazon EC2, 
you choose one. Imagine you're a large company. Once you're into a cloud vendor's product, you are essentially ingrained there for not ever, but it becomes very hard to go from, let's say, Azure to Amazon at hyperscale. Like for Netflix to go from, hey, we're going to move from Amazon to Azure would be an insurmountable expense to do such things. And so that's why these companies are cutting prices. They want you to buy into their platform so that you are stuck there for the long haul. Now, I don't foresee them just ratcheting up prices all of a sudden, but it can be expensive. But at the same time, on-prem hardware is also very expensive. It's also expensive to maintain. So they're trying to make the value proposition and then they're trying to compete with Amazon. Google is starting to show some life in the cloud. They, they made some recent hires and they're gonna, I think, make some serious investment in trying to take into this space. But realistically, you have Amazon and Google as the two like king and queen type providers. You have Google who's coming up, but it's very expensive to get into this arena. Not many companies could do it. IBM could potentially do it. HP said, screw this, I'm out, killed their, um, Hyperion or whatever it was, Helion, Helion, Hyperion, Helion service, mostly because it was too expensive. At, at their HPE Discover, which I was at, they announced a deal with Microsoft that they're going to be their premier cloud service provider. And it's very expensive because you need data centers in all the regions around the world. And each data center, give or take, is a billion dollars. So it's not like something that a startup can just come up and say, hey, you know what? We're going to be a cloud service provider and just go build data centers. There's no way that's, it's just not feasible anymore. And so you have Amazon, Microsoft, and maybe Google in the serious long run. So companies are looking at these two and they're trying to show the value proposition. That's what they want, is the value proposition to get you sucked in, to get you tied for life. And they are racing to the bottom of the pricing. So we'll see how low they eventually cut all this stuff. It seems pretty regular. Um, at least once or twice a year, we see price cuts across these services. Uh, Microsoft, from a value proposition, does like to point out that they include load balancing for free on their servers, while Amazon does not. Uh, one thing Amazon does do for very low usage users, and this I think this is a great move, or I don't know why Microsoft doesn't do it. If you're a low usage customer, like super low, and you just need a cloud provider for just some basics, Amazon gives it to you for free. Now, Microsoft has BizSpark and some other services, but it, they make it very simple to get free basic services at a very small scale to get people sucked into their service. But um, yeah, so that's what's going on in the world of Azure this week. Other fun things happening in the world of Microsoft. So Microsoft announced that its Chakra Core, they announced this in December, is going to be open source. And they actually posted it to GitHub this week. And the cool thing about this, and I'll give some advice here for people who want to work at Microsoft, because I know this strategy works and it works very, very well. So they posted the Chakra Core, which is a JavaScript engine that competes with uh, Google's version is V8. And it's now, I believe all the major, yeah, I believe all the major JavaScript engines are now open source. So this is a big thing for the JavaScript community, of course, and for Microsoft. But Microsoft's JavaScript engine that runs the Edge browser is now open source. They call it Chakra Core. It's on GitHub. You can go download the files now and you can actually contribute code to this base. And Microsoft will do all their vetting and everything else. But the cool thing is now, if you want to get something into Edge, the, you now have that possibility. Obviously, it needs to be some sort of standard and you can't just you know, code your own very niche thing. But if it's a, a proper application of the code that you're submitting, Microsoft is now saying, hey, we will roll that up into the edge that is shipping to what could be a billion users around the world in the next two to three years with Windows 10. It's a really easy way to get involved with the core. So if you want to work at Microsoft, here's a really smart way to do this. Uh, Microsoft is always hiring. Just 
kind of keep that blanket. If you're a good engineer, they will hire you, I promise. If you wanna work on the Internet Explorer team or Edge team or work in the web space, start contributing a lot of code to this engine. Contribute quality code, work with their teams, work with this product and help make it better. And I guarantee you that if you can become a key contributor to this product and be known on GitHub for it, you can reach out to Microsoft or more than likely, they're gonna reach out to you and say, hey, you know what? We've seen your quality code. We've seen what you can do in your spare time for us. We wanna bring you on full time. I've seen it happen before and I know it can happen here. And this is a real easy way of getting into Microsoft rather than is going through the HR, you know, where you log in and you type in your resume and you ship it off and say, hey, God, I hope they don't throw mine out and they just randomly pick it out for an interview. Uh, this is the smarter way to get hired by Microsoft. So if your goal in life is to work for Microsoft up in Seattle, start contributing code to the Chakra Core, that's a good in. It, it, it really is legitimately the best thing to do. So uh, what else happened this week in the world of Microsoft? This one's kind of a hits home for me because I've used this stuff before. So Microsoft announced our server, not our like pirate server, but our server, R as an analytical language that is very popular in the statistical community uh, is now being called our server. Now, this isn't like a brand new product for them because they just bought a package or a company called Revolution. So this is Revolution R Enterprise for those who are familiar with it. And it's just now being repackaged into uh, Microsoft R Server. The cool thing about this is there's a developer, or I believe it's a developer or student edition that is actually free. As Microsoft has done much like they do with Visual Studio, they have a free version, obviously non-commercial use, um, that you know same standards apply. But hey, if you wanna learn about this stuff and tinker around and try to build some applications using R, here you go. Microsoft is giving you R uh, for free, Server R. It's kind of hard to complain about that. So um, kind of running down here, but people keep asking, they say, hey, Brad, what's going to happen at Build this year? And I would love to just tell you that I have the show notes at my side and I have everything that I need to know and I'm just not going to go. That's not really going to happen. So I think there's going to be a couple themes that come out of this year. Obviously, whatever they're doing with Redstone is going to be a big thing. I think we're going to see a strong strong push from Microsoft on the universal Windows platform, which are the apps that run on everything. So you write an app for the desktop, it can also run on the phone, and it can run on the Xbox that's behind me. Um, really, I think the only thing it can't run on, I think is this guy, I think is the band. I think that's about it. There might be some other, I think it does IoT, but um, that's gonna be the big push, at least from the developer side. They're gonna show you how to write more quality applications. I expect that we're gonna see additional framework improvements into the Windows Store as well. Um, there's been some issues with the Windows Store, just perform, not so much performance, but just the power behind the apps. I'm trying to find the right words here. And developers will happily tell you the shortcomings of the platform. So I'm expecting to see some improvements to the applications that are gonna come out of the Windows Store. I think we will see a strong push for what is now Islandwood. A story, obviously, we think is, for the most part, dead. Islandwood is the path forward. I think Microsoft's going to showcase how easy it is to actually bring an app to the Windows Store from the iOS from the iOS world. So I think that's going to be a thing. Um, HoloLens will very likely be shown again. Microsoft loves to show off HoloLens. Um, and I would, they even demoed it, let people demo it last year. I would expect we'll hear more, especially especially because they're starting to ship it out to third-party developers around this time. So we're probably going to see more third-party applications, use cases. Now remember, HoloLens up front initially is not a 
um, Oculus Rift competitor from day one. It's more of an enterprise play, which I think makes sense considering they're selling the dev kits for three grand a pop. And we'll probably hear some more potentially about Surface Hub, the momentum behind that, which those devices should be shipping out now. If you have gotten notifications that you're getting a Surface Hub, let me know. I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see what Microsoft's saying for delivery. Last time I heard, uh, customers were starting to get notification that their device would arrive in February. So there we go. That is the world of Microsoft this week. What a what another crazy week. I, I think we're starting to ramp up really into the fun times. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start to get more Windows builds. Gabe has promised that it's going to be faster. We're going to start to see more features being delivered into uh, the Windows 10 ecosystem. We're going to start to get a better understanding of what the company is doing at build over the next few weeks. And we've got HoloLens going out to third parties. There's a lot of good stuff going on. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to be another great year for Microsoft. Um, I think they're definitely headed in the right direction now. I think Windows 10 is off to a very good start. Um, there are some bugs. I had a really bad bug. I'll be curious. If you have this bug, here's an easy fix for it. So I kind of lost my mind on Twitter. Uh, is it yesterday? Mostly, so let me let me paint the scenario. My kid has been sick with the flu or something like it, been up vomiting all night, um, just running just about three hours of sleep. And I download the new Windows build. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Or, and then I get the new mail application. I'm like, yes, two updates, I get to do this. So I open up the mail application and I'm trying to send an email. And so you select the email and I hit reply. And what does it do? When you hit reply, it deletes the email and creates a draft in the drafts folder. And it's like, what? So you hit reply again, it deleted another email. Just the reply button was just deleting emails. So here's an easy fix for it. There's two ways, you have two options if they don't work. Um, first is to just remove your accounts and re-add them. That's a pretty easy fix. Or if you have the messaging view turned on like I do, you just toggle that on and off and it will fix the problem. But um, the new build of Windows 10, it's been running pretty well. I do hesitate to say do not run it on a production machine yet. Um, I would stick with the November release on production. I've got a couple uh, development machines or test machines that I can just wipe and reformat and do all that good stuff quickly. But especially going forward, do not run the daily builds or whatever they're going to be shipping out on a production machine. It's just you're asking to get burned. And I am probably going to be terrible at this listening to my own advice, but you have to do it, especially going forward. Move to the slow ring. If it's a daily use, just kind of screw around machine and stay on the November release if it's a production machine or something you have to do to get work done. So this has been the Sam's Report, another great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, always love the feedback, love chatting with you, and have a great day.